and pray with me. Our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, would you speak this morning? For your servants are listening, Lord, would you speak? And would you give us ears to hear? Would you give us eyes to see? God, would you be with us this morning, even as it feels that we are apart, Lord? Would you remind us of the fellowship that we have with you and the fellowship we have with one another? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, our scripture this morning can be found in the book of 1 John. It's a letter that the Apostle John wrote for the church. And you can find 1 John by actually going to the end of your Bible, to the book of Revelation, and turning backwards, uh, going through the book of Jude, and then 3 John, and then 2 John, and then you will find 1 John. So I'd ask that you would open up your Bible with me, and we will see what God has for us this morning. We'll be in 1 John chapter 1, and we're actually going to start in verse 1 and go through verse 7 this morning. So join me, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. This is what God's Word says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the Word of life, The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Well, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and it's given to us because he loves us because he wants us to have fellowship with him and with one another well i'd like to address the little theologians who are watching this the children of the church i'd like to ask you to draw a picture and you can use a pencil and paper or you can draw this picture in your imagination if you like and the picture i want you to draw is of two friends playing hide and seek You know how the game works? Someone hides and someone finds, right? As we look at God's word this morning, you're going to hear me talk about hiding. And you're going to hear me talk about finding and about being found. And I want you to think about the joy of finding something or someone and about the joy of being found as I speak to you this morning. You know, there's a funny thing that I didn't really think about a lot growing up, playing hide-and-seek. You might think that the goal of uh, hide-and-seek is to stay hidden forever. But, of course, it's not. Um, oftentimes, uh, when I was a kid, um, I, I would make a, t- a terrible mistake uh, of realizing that you're supposed to go to the bathroom before you hide. Meaning that uh, when someone finally found me, it was a tremendous relief. The real joy of hide-and-seek, in any case, is in being found, 
Nobody wants to be in hiding forever. Nobody wants to live their life in the dark. Nobody wants to live their life alone. Brothers and sisters, what if I told you this morning that so often we live in a world of isolation? We live in a world that so often seems to be governed by fear of death, and so often we find ourselves living lives hiding in the dark. Is that so hard to believe? Perhaps right now, in the midst of lockdowns and quarantines, it isn't hard to believe. It's the world we live in. But even before quarantines and lockdowns, we still experienced isolation, death, and darkness in our lives. What if I told you that it wasn't always that way and it wasn't supposed to be that way? What if I told you that in the beginning there was light, there was life, and there was fellowship? sweet fellowship. What if I told you that's what you and I were made for? What if I told you, sisters and brothers, that light and life and fellowship are offered to you today in Jesus Christ? This sermon series is called Life in the Body, and what or whose body are we talking about? We're talking about the body of Christ, his bride, the church, and central to the body of Christ is fellowship. Fellowship is a union enjoyed through shared identity, shared action, shared purpose. Being united together and mutual sharing are at the heart of fellowship. God's word tells us this morning that there is a fellowship that we need. There is a fellowship that we find And there is a fellowship that bears fruit. We'll take those in order, beginning with the fellowship that we need. If we are to talk about fellowship in the body of Christ, we must start by saying that fellowship begins with God. So look with me at verses 1 and 2. It says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands. Concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. We worship a triune God, which means that fellowship itself existed from all eternity in the Godhead. Father, Son, and Spirit have always dwelled in perfect fellowship, perfect communion, perfect love. And John writes here of of something, someone who was with the Father in verse 2. Do you see it there? With the Father and made manifest to us. And he begins this this book with the word that, that which which was from the beginning. What's What's the that that he's referring to? Well, it's that which was from the beginning. And what is that? Well, we see at the end of verse 1, it's the word of life. Verse 2 tells us, the life was made manifest and we have seen it. He's speaking here of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and the fellowship that the Son has with the Father. He is the word of life who was with the Father even at the beginning. Now look with me at verse 1, that which was from the beginning. Do you, do you see that there? Does, does that look familiar to you? The Apostle John loves to write this way. And you may remember that in the Gospel of John, he begins, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He goes on to say, We have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son, the Father. 
in the beginning. It's a direct reference to Genesis, to God's work of creation. So here in 1 John, as with the Gospel of John, he's saying, look at this. There is something that I'm about to tell you about that has always been and will always be. It's fellowship. Fellowship has always been, it is at the very heart of our triune God. God didn't create us so that he could have fellowship. He created us because fellowship overflowed. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit radiating with light, overflowing with life, outpouring with boundless love. Before the hills in order stood or earth received her frame from everlasting, you are God to endless years the same. God has not changed Fellowship is part of his nature. And at creation, that's what we had access to. We were created for fellowship with this God, the God of fellowship. We must recognize something terrible and and sobering here. We're sinners. Which means that the very thing we are most desperate for, the very thing that that, that we most desperately need, life with God, it's not something which we can merit or deserve We're not worthy of the fellowship that flows out from God. And you know this. Sin makes you hate the light. Why? What what happens when light enters a dark room? All is revealed. Darkness is eliminated, and what happens in the darkness is exposed. This is why you hide your faults and failures from God and from each other, like Adam in the garden who said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. That's shame at work, and it reveals to us the desperation of our situation. The Puritan writer John Owen says, He is light, we are darkness. And quoting 2 Corinthians 6, he says, What communion can light have with darkness? He is life, and we are dead. He is love, we are enmity, hatred. And what agreement can there be between us? In Ephesians 12, we learn that those in such an estate are separated from Christ, alienated from the fellowship of God's people, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So from where does our hope come? This this means that if we are ever to enter into the light and the life and the loving fellowship of our God, he must make a way for us. Well, thanks be to God, the fellowship that we find, the fellowship that we need is the fellowship that we find in Christ. Let's look here in verses three and four. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Wow. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John repeats an important observation here in verse 3 that he had already laid out in the first two verses. Do you see the repetition? He said in verses 1 and 2 that God has revealed himself to us. We have heard him. We have seen him with our eyes. We have looked upon him. A word in the Greek which is more akin to close observance or study. John says we really considered what was before us. He was so close that we could touch him. Translation, we didn't make this up. This isn't high philosophy, wishful thinking, pie in the sky. This is real, tangible, rubbing shoulders with something incredible, someone incredible, the God of all eternity. That's what John touched and studied and saw and heard. Verse 1 says, the very word of life. 
Christ is called the Word because he is God's ultimate revelation of himself. Jesus, the Son, is God himself revealed. Which is why Jesus can say, if anyone has seen me, he has seen the Father. That life has been manifest, made known, John says in verse 2. We have seen it, and we testify, bear witness to it, and in that witness, we can proclaim to you something astonishing. Eternal life. And so now here in verse 3, he repeats that truth. John and the apostles didn't make this stuff up. They were eyewitnesses. There were many eyewitnesses, in fact. When the apostles began their ministries, many were alive that could verify and corroborate what had happened in the life and ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus. And this historic eyewitness credibility is one of the most amazing aspects of the incarnation. God revealing himself in flesh and bone. He didn't reveal himself in a corner. He came and we saw him and we heard him. That Jesus who was with the Father, the Son who was with the Father in the beginning was made manifest to us. And if you're John, it's like, how could we not proclaim to you what we have seen and heard? And look at this in verse 3. This is incredible. That proclamation invites us into the fellowship of the body of Christ, which indeed is fellowship with the Father and with the Son. A way into fellowship with God. That fellowship that we desperately need was made possible by Jesus Christ. John says, we're proclaiming this so that you might enter into fellowship. And that fellowship is twofold. Do you see it there? It is with us, John says. He speaks of the apostles, his fellow apostles, and the church at large. And that fellowship is with God. There is another purpose that unfolds in this writing. You see it in verse 4. He says, so that our joy might be complete. And John here so closely identifies with his readers that their joy is also his joy. Joy in the Lord. And truly, David says in Psalm 16, that the, in the Lord's presence there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. It's the heart of the gospel. That we are invited into a fellowship by the grace of God. And the way into that fellowship was purchased for us. Not by our good works or great achievements. Not by our good looks or reputation or pedigree. But by this precious blood of Christ. It's according to his merits that we are invited in. It wasn't that we found the light. That we were able to see it for what it was in the first place. It was that while we were still bound in darkness... Light burst forth and made us see. The light was manifest in Christ, and what we could not hear was declared to us. What we could not see was made visible to us. A salvation that we could not touch reached out and touched us, healed us, made us new. He said, look at my hands and my feet. Look at my side. Touch me and see. And the apostles believed, and the church was born. Indeed, rather than saying that there is a fellowship that we find, it is perhaps more accurate to say that fellowship found us. We who were aliens were brought near. 1 John 4.10 says, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And so we can sing, For hands that should discard me hold wounds which tell me come. Beneath the cross of Jesus, my unworthy soul is one. That says something profound 
about the nature of our fellowship in the church. We don't get to bring our pride through the door. We're not admitted based on how good we look or how well we dress. We don't submit references for our character or our status. We have one witness, the testimony of our Lord before the throne by which we become a part of his body, the church. The fellowship that we need is the fellowship we find in Christ. And the fellowship we find in Christ is a fellowship that bears fruit. We'll turn to verses 5 through 7. It says this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Our fellowship with God bears fruit in a shared corporate life. We are drawn into a shared spiritual environment together in which we as Christians are called to participate in one another's lives. That's what Christ makes possible. And it's the twofold fellowship that Christ's work has invited us to. We're united to him. We're united to one another. That's what he came to accomplish. Verse 5 tells us that the word that Jesus gave us a message, that God is light. And of course, that makes sense, right? What is the first thing God says in Genesis 1? He says, let there be light. What is it about God's lightness that should change us, that should mark us as his people. John says it has something to do with how we walk. See, it turns out that there is a way to walk that is absurd, dishonest, and isolating. It's walking in the darkness while saying that we have fellowship with God. It's just dumb. Why? Because walking in darkness either means that for a moment you've forgotten about the light or that you never saw the light in the first place. You're hiding in darkness. And you're claiming to have fellowship with the God who is light and in him there is no darkness at all. How can you do that? You're playing hide and seek with your life. It's a terrible way to live. It cuts you off from God and from one another. I want to invite you to consider this for a moment. Where is your fellowship with God at right now? If he seems far off from you, remember that faith is more than just what you feel. Nevertheless, it may be appropriate for you to consider, is there sin in your life right now that is darkening your eyes to the light? Is it possible that he's not hiding from you, but that for too long you have been trying to hide from him? Remember, just a few verses later in 1 John 1, 9, we're told if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Christian and non-Christian, if you're watching this, turn to the light. Take up God's word once more and wage war against your sin, for the Lord himself fights for you. Just a couple verses later, we're reminded that if we do sin, we still have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. We may not have a, a physical fellowship with the Lord. We may not see him face to face in this moment, and we long for the day when we shall see him face to face, but that does not mean he is not near. 
Psalm 139 says, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Brothers and sisters, he is near. It's like a shepherd finding a sheep and hiding. He seeks us and he finds us. And because he has found us, we are not alone. And there is a new way to walk. Verse 7 says, but there is a way to walk as a Christian. It's more rational, it's more honest, and it actually creates fellowship. It draws us closer to our God and to one another. And that is walking in the light as he is in the light. Enabled by Christ. Turn to the light. Turn to the advocate. Turn to Jesus. We, as his bride, the church, we're called to live together in the light to walk side by side together. And that, that's an act of fellowship, encouraging one another and fighting alongside one another along the way. Part of walking in the light is actually being vulnerable, confessing your sins to one another and showing one another grace and forgiveness. And rather than glaze right over this, let's pause for a moment because this is amazing. Think of the world that John was originally writing to. It's a divided world. And especially in the church, I mean, you had those from Jewish backgrounds and those from Gentile backgrounds intermingling. We're talking about, and picture this, a Christian church with people who have different cultures, different customs, different families, different diets, different politics, different geography. Is it so different from the bride of Christ today? And you know what? Those things which in our world so often tend to divide, to divide us, they, they become less and less divisive the more that God's people walk together in the light. Because our fellowship becomes defined less and less by what we see on the surface and more and more by what is revealed in the light of God's presence and love. A love that was revealed in its fullness through the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all sin. Well, one of the most popular tourist attractions in the world is the Forbidden City in Beijing, China. Not the Forbidden City buffet in Hamilton Place, but in Beijing, China. It's where the emperors used to live and has seen multiple dynasties come and go. The buildings of the Forbidden City have survived for hundreds of years, and they have survived hundreds of earthquakes, including the deadliest earthquake of the 20th century. How did they do it? It's because of a fascinating architectural feature in their construction. See, the buildings in the Forbidden City, many of them were constructed with no glue, no nails, no screws, no anchors. And the walls of these buildings are not load-bearing. Instead, what you have are massive, heavy roofs attached to large support pillars. And they're attached to these support pillars by special interlocking brackets called dogong. These pillars, they're not even sunk into the ground, so that when the earth shakes, they're actually able to wobble and flex a little bit without collapsing. It's because of the dogong, these brackets. 
a multitude of relatively small wood pieces that are whittled down using basic carpentry, carpentry, carpentry tools and nested together with precision. And Dogon can actually transfer immense amounts of energy and they can withstand tremendous amounts of force, even the shaking of the ground, and they can still stand firm because they are interlocked and interwoven together. Christ has constructed his church, brothers and sisters, such that a multitude of people interlocking and interwoven in fellowship are stronger than they would be on their own. And I would now like to discuss this fellowship a little bit further because the fellowship we experience as the church should be viewed in two ways, especially now. It should be viewed uh, in, in the sense of the partial and imperfect now and the complete and perfect then. Our fellowship in the now, it's partial and imperfect. Sin is still a reality. Remember, even when we're together as the redeemed people of God, fellowship is often difficult. We still confessed our sins this morning, acknowledging that our hearts are prone to dishonor our parents, to hatred, to adultery, to theft, dishonesty, and covetousness. We still struggle with gossip, with strife, dissension, and pride. And of course, now we're experiencing the bitterness of physical separation, which is strange and unnatural. And you need to make space for mourning and grief for, for anger and lament, and for crying out to God in the midst of these strange times. Psalm 42, among other scriptures, give us examples of that. As the psalmist cries out, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. The psalmist misses the fellowship of God's people. This is hard. I feel like I can talk about this because this is a loneliness that I understand. This has been hard for Madeline and I as well. These last two months have been lonely. They've been painful. And yet there has been joy. Madeline and I don't have a vast family network here in Chattanooga, at least not in the biological sense. You've been our family. It has been you who have prayed over us, who through your generous giving have continued to sustain us, who have reached out to us and loved us. When a tornado swept over our apartment complex and knocked out our power for a week, you offered us a place to stay or to shower. You offered to feed us. You cared for us. And this is the church being the church. And we got to be joyful recipients of it. And still we ache to see you again. We ache to see you again, especially you students out there. I miss you guys. We can see these realities cropping up in scripture. But Paul understood loneliness. He spent extensive seasons of his ministry in prison, and yet he still experienced the fellowship of the body of Christ while virtually isolated. It wasn't that Paul had no concept for loneliness. He wasn't in denial, but he had an understanding that he could never be truly severed from his brothers and sisters because they were in Christ together. It just meant that the church at Philippi, 
among other churches, uh, found creative ways to minister to Paul remotely. Namely, in sending Epaphroditus to encourage him with gifts and with his presence. And we today, as the body of Christ, we're, we're still called. We're not off the hook. We're, we're called to develop creative ways to care for one another remotely as well. And here's the good news. God gave us phones. He gave us email, pens and paper and postage stamps. And now he's given many of us a lot of free time, it seems. Use it. Care for one another. We're still the body of Christ, even though we're apart. We still share that fundamental identity, united in Christ. We still share the same purpose to walk in the light, and we're still heading to that same place before the throne where the bonds of fellowship will never break. And that's where I want to conclude this morning. There is a fellowship that is complete and perfected that awaits us on that day when he makes all things new. And that fellowship is the source of immense hope for you and for me this morning. It's ultimate fellowship with God and ultimate fellowship with one another that await us. That's what awaits us in eternity. Through the Holy Spirit, that reality often in flashes breaks into the here and now so that we can taste it and see it. Pastor Paul Tripp says, Corporate worship and indeed our corporate life together is designed to remind you that you are no longer alone and poor, but now lavishly rich in both love and grace because you are in Christ. Our fellowship, our ultimate hope, it's never grounded in this. It's, it's not about this building, this place, even the gatherings that we have here. Even when we return to this, and we should want to return to this, we should desperately want to return to this, we must remember that this is still temporary. This can be taken away, and indeed for a time it seems that it has been taken away. But if this is the flower, the gospel is the root. What we do when we gather together here is meant to point to a deeper fellowship and a deeper reality that is more central and more unshakable than any division or separation that we might experience. That great hymn says, Beneath the cross of Jesus, his family is my own. We were once strangers chasing selfish dreams. Now we're one through grace alone. How could I now dishonor the ones that you have loved? Beneath the cross of Jesus, see the children called by God. Notice that when all is said and done, our hope is not, is not merely that we'll see God's children again in the church building. It is beneath the cross of Jesus that we see the children called by God. For however long this lasts, they can try to keep us apart physically all they want. But where distance abounds, grace will abound all the more. They can come and drag us out of the church building. They can lock the doors here and throw away the key. But hear this, brothers and sisters. They can never drag us away from the cross of Jesus Christ. And the fellowship that we have with him there. And the fellowship that we have with one another there. And I declare to you this morning that we stand even now beneath that cross together by the power of his spirit and by the word of God and nothing can take that away. The fellowship that we need is the fellowship that we find in Christ. And the fellowship we find in Christ is the fellowship that bears fruit in our life together. Let's pray. Father God, it is for your glory 
that we gather, and it is in your glory that we have our most ultimate hope, that one day we will be reunited. Lord, we look forward to that day when we are reunited physically here in this temporary place, God, but help us even now to have a larger view to understand that in the scope of eternity, you are doing great and marvelous things because your love for us has never changed. Help us to find hope and encouragement in that. Help us to encourage one another in that. Help us to reach out to one another in that. God, would you be glorified in us walking together in the light as you are in the light. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for the fellowship that you've given us with one another and the fellowship that you've made possible with yourself. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.